Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. We are talking about Season 2, Episode 3, Fire and Ice. I'm Letha. I'm Nina. We're your hosts in this grand journey that we're on together. And so Nina, I know you have the IMDb synopsis for Fire and Ice. Want to take a look at that? Okay. Daniel pulls out all the stops in an effort to recruit new students to Miyagi-Do Karate. Johnny reflects on some of the major relationships in his life. And responds to Daniel's promotional efforts with his own. Uh, Okay, yeah, straightforward, to the point. I guess. I'm going to give the game right here and say that I really like this episode, in part because it has one of my favorite relationships in the spotlight, Johnny and Technology. Yes, I mean, I think it's been alluded to a little bit in season one that Johnny perhaps really does live in the past, but I didn't quite realize that he had never been on the internet, like, ever. Right, it's like, wait, what? How were how you able to avoid it so long? It's almost like, yeah, I mean, to, to experience the joy of connecting to the internet for the very first time, I mean, to watch someone go through that. It's, it's lovely. It, it, it really is. is. It's like, I wish I could have that feeling again. When you see him... Oh, he's taking those baby steps. He goes to the place he got his computer and yells at the guy because he can't turn it on. So he's taught how to turn on the, his he Dell. Has a Dell. I have a Dell. There's nothing wrong with having a Dell. Yeah, actually, it kind of fits. It's very retro. What is that supposed to mean about my <laughs> Dell? I mean, come on. Anyways, <laughs> he has a very respectable Dell, but once he learns how to turn it on, he realizes he does not know how to get to the internet. So he calls the shop, and the guy is like, this is a pawn shop. Stop calling. I love um, that pawn shop guy. Right. And then a scene later, you see him with, like, the internet for dummies and nine empty Coors cans. And he figures it out. And he has, oh, God, his Wi-Fi password is strike first. Yes, which is just it's perfect. Beautiful. And, of course, the first thing that he looks up is hot babes. And second search, Iron Maiden, Bloodsport. What t-shirt contest is in there somewhere, but Conspiracy yes. Conspiracy theories. Yep. And naturally, karate videos. So he is, let's be honest, the worst kind of internet user, but that's okay. But just think. I mean, think of all the things you've searched for in your lifetime. And he's doing it all now. Right? For the first time. It's it's like truly like, like seeing a child learn to walk. I know, or, it's beautiful. Like a virgin. Okay, you had to make it weird. But yeah, no, he's, <laughs> he's definitely like... Just the simple joy he takes watching karate videos on YouTube is actually pretty great to see uh, until the stupid ads come up. Right. Reality intervenes and uh, we see Daniel at his worst yet again. For Daniel... Every small step that he makes towards becoming a better person is immediately... (laughs) He goes... Yeah. Daniel has a YouTube ad, is what he has. It plays before karate videos, I guess, in the area. And it's it's an ad for Miyagi-Do. Um, it's got, like, Japanese music in the background. And I don't Daniel, even know if it's really Japanese music. Well, it's got some Asian-ish music in the background. And Daniel, like, doing some slow meditation, karate poses. And he very much takes aim at Cobra Kai, saying, don't be a snake in the grass. And then... He calls it Okinawan true karate. And to me, this is the worst part. It's free. All lessons are free because it's about the karate, it's not, not about, about the, the money. money. And this to me is very much like, oh, you know, it's like Amazon pricing something at like a dollar that a, a regular retailer has to charge like 
$5 for. And basically, it's like being able to drive people out of business because you just have more resources. Yeah. And it, to me, is like the worst kind of capitalism, if you ask me. And the thing is, what makes it even more hard to understand is like, Daniel's not even in it for the profit motive. Daniel's just being Daniel. Daniel is so out of touch with reality and how the world works that he's just like, he doesn't even see why this is obnoxious. Right. That he has the time and the money to build a side dojo career. And it's like, it's just like that real estate scheme from the first season where he was trying to drive uh, Johnny's dojo out of town. Right. And it's like, you have to see... I understand that karate means something different from Daniel for Johnny, too, and everything. But, like, yes, I understand that you feel like there's a philosophical difference between Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do karate. But you understand that dojos are like businesses. They're like coffee shops or, or ballet studios. You're actually selling a service to some kids. And, like, that's actually... It's not like... Yeah, so I think that opening a rival dojo and charging nothing in order to poach students to make some point is really obnoxious. And again, you're right, it really does harken back to that thing with the the strip mall where it's like, you know, when he is crowing over his ability to raise the rent for everybody, like, and his wife is like, did you think about the other people who live in the strip mall? Like, what? what? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, the thing that drives me nuts about Daniel is like, He's like one of those people that's super into the new age, but shows zero self-awareness. Like, for the amount of Miyagi throwbacks that are, like, his dojo is littered with Miyagi photos, and, you know, he thinks about karate all the time, and yet, does he ever think, what would Miyagi think about this shitty YouTube ad, and and me going to all this trouble to basically get back at my rival? Yeah, like, what what are you doing, man? And I like that the next scene is in the car dealership. Um, Amanda is pretty pissed at Daniel, He's and we find out why when it turns out that he spent half of their Q3 marketing budget on his dojo commercial All right, let's for his numbers. free dojo. All right, let's let's do it. Okay, how much do you think they make in Q three? Well, half of the marketing budget. I'm going to say that their marketing budget, given they do a lot of TV ads and stuff, is at least fifty thousand dollars. You're kidding me. You think he spent fifty thousand dollars on a YouTube ad? Half. So I'm going to, and also it's just for their Q three. Let's go with like I bet he spent ten thousand dollars on that. I mean that that's grounds for divorce. When you say like I was thinking more like under the like oh, fifteen hundred. I was like, okay, that's it's not great. It's you're sharing your money and you should tell your wife these things. And it's it's also also it's really dumb. It's not even like from their savings account. This is like this is earmarked for their auto business. What are you doing? I wish it like spent our retirement fund you know what i'm surprised they didn't just go for the juggler and be like anthony's college fund we hate anthony anyways why not really i bet amanda would have been like oh that's fine well okay uh, you know anthony wasn't gonna go to college anyway (laughs) it's fine anthony hasn't been spotted in two episodes by the way that's true but uh yeah so i i I get it that would have been forgivable but this is just this is absurd. She's actually rather reasonable about it, given that, you know, she asked him if he has he's having a midlife crisis. Fair. But, you know, he, yeah, which is totally a fair question, which is probably true. He probably is. Um, but he kind of manages to, like, sweet talk her out of it a little bit. Um, 
I like that his employee comes up and has seen the video and he's kind of like, you know, it's great. I, I think it's just unfair that people on YouTube are accusing you of cultural appropriation. Um, actually, can we play this this clip here? Because there's some good good Daniel Burns. Whitewashing? They're calling me Daniel LaRacist on here. Stereotypical music. That was Mr. Miyagi's favorite song. Look, don't worry about that, okay? Some people have nothing better to do than to post negative comments. The important thing is you got a lot of likes. Sure, some of those are probably bots, but you'll definitely get a bunch of... You know what I find interesting is that, like, the show is self-aware enough that it, like, preempts all of our questions. Like, Amanda's the one who's like, oh, like, we need to be upset because Crease is back in the valley. Crease, you're, like, this geriatric, geriatric karate, karate coach. coach. Yeah. There, but Crease is immortal, as we... As we know. Yeah. But, yeah, no, the show is very aware of... I mean, that's what, again, makes this show rise above what um, what you'd expect of it, is that they're very aware of how silly this is. They're aware of, like, how Daniel is kind of, like, a weird Asia-file, and it's, it's kind of weird, a little bit, you know? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, Daniel the Racist. Um, <laughs> that's great. Oh, so, so good. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about the Cobra Kai teens? I mean, because... Well, they have some adorable stuff where they're shooting a commercial of their own. Um, and, oh, it's so good. It's a, it's basically exactly what you would expect, which is like a little video of, of Johnny punching things and like telling people not to be pussies and come like take good old American karate at his dojo. Through and- that meditation bullshit. Not self-defense, self-offense. Ah, uh, it's like classic Johnny. It's as Johnny as anything could get. Yeah. And then he tells Aisha to send it to the internet, which... Yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. So and good. And it, it actually, like, it immediately leads into a scene. Actually, no, we should talk about this because it's a big, big plot development. So at the end of the last episode, Miguel finds out that Robbie is indeed Johnny's son. Um, and he immediately goes and <laughs> tells his... His friend, Hawk? I guess they're friends. Um, immediately goes to him with that information. Hawk predictably flips out about it and immediately wants to confront Johnny, which is a terrible move. Well, yeah, they confront him and, you know, Johnny's like, it's none of your damn business. It has nothing to do with how I run my dojo. Go to hell. Um, which, you know, I, I think he's within his rights to do. But, like, once they leave, you see Crease like, standing in the doorway with a pout on his face, as yeah. usual. Crease sees all, Crease knows all. Yeah, he's just there all the time. Um, and later, when they walk out, like, uh, first of all, the homeless woman, who we missed in the last episode, is back. That's true, I noticed back. her absence. She has a bunch of stolen donuts, and she's there. And that's great. If Even if we can't see Anthony, at least we've got a homeless woman to watch. Um, but anyways, Crease is like, doesn't look good. Louis so trading your son as his own. I wouldn't put up with it if I were you. Which is such a weird thing to say, because it's like... Chris isn't even subtle with his psychological manipulations. You know, he's so clearly like, I'm gonna play the son issue, because right. you care about your surrogate son. And it's it's such a weird thing, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand for it. And it's like, what would you do? Force him to train with you at gunpoint? Like, what? what? Also, it's never quite clear, um, like what Crease's role is in mm-hmm. this dojo. Like, and he seems like, to just kind of stand there a lot and pout and occasionally, like, I don't know, give him training exercises, maybe? Not even that, because it's like, 
he basically he doesn't even ask permission. He's like, "Can I just lurk around your dojo?" Which he was doing anyway. Right. He's like the Probably Phantom of the Dojo years. at this point. It's weird. And Phantom of the Dojo. I love that. <laughs> God, can we Photoshop that? I think we can do that. Yeah, I think he's we can make got that, that weird happen. Kind of like cremation right. face. <laughs> And he's Martin Coe is gonna kill us. Uh, I mean, we we say this with love. His face is so elastic; it's it it's is. really strange. But um, you know, in his effort to uh, commit some kind of weird psychological warfare against Johnny, he's like, you know, well, it's a good thing you have that Mexican kid. Um, Miguel is, of course, Ecuadorian, but obviously, Chris doesn't care, and he says, "You better hope that Larusa doesn't sink his mitts into him." All of which I, I was kind of like, this is such a weird angle to play, but I don't mind because it leads to our next scene, which is my favorite in this episode. Is that them chow- chowing down and bonding? Yeah, it's uh, Johnny apparently takes those words to heart and goes to see Miguel and asks him to take a ride with him. And they go to this kind of innocuous burger place. And Johnny being vulnerable is like the entire reason we watch this show. Yeah, um, He's never a better actor than when he's like laying bare his soul to his favorite student um and he's he basically says he's he abandoned robbie and he failed him and he's the, never uh, gonna fail place where they're eating burgers is actually across the street from the hospital where robbie was born and it's actually quite affecting that like johnny's i like that johnny does not sugarcoat the shittiness of what he did which is that he was not there for for robbie's birth um, you know, he says his mom had just died and he was in a bad place and he was in a, he was coming off a three day bender, but he's pretty like upfront with being like a piece of shit. And what he says to Miguel is basically, I failed my kid on his very first day in this world and I failed him since then. And it's like one of the worst things in his life, but one of the best things in life has been teaching Miguel. And that's that. Yeah. man, that cuts me. That's yeah. And he does promise that he's always going to be there for Miguel, that he's always going to have his best interests at heart. And, you know, there's... Damn it, this is the relationship we watch the show for. I know, and it's probably what makes this episode so much better than the last episode. Even the last episode, like, it set the scene, it set the groundwork for season two. But, um, yeah, anytime you have, like, Miguel kind of in the background, it's it's like a less effective episode. Nobody puts Miguel in the corner. Nobody puts Miguel in the corner. Um... And I just find that he's, like, much more muted in this season so far. Like, mm-hmm. um, you, you still see a little bit of Darth Miguel, like, him and Hawk kind of, like, goofing off and bonding over being karate bros, essentially. Do you find it interesting that, like, in that beach scene that, like, being winning this karate tournament makes you basically, like, the hottest piece of ass? Maybe I just don't understand. It's true. Dimitri uses a Cobra piece. Kai towel, which is, first of all... Cobra Kai makes towels, but, um... Oh, is that, like, the... Is it... But, yeah, like, girls come by and are like, hey, maybe we'll play volleyball with you later. And I'm honestly... We had this disagreement last season where you were like, well, I guess karate is, like, the biggest game in town. And I was like, no, no, this is some weird little world, little niche yeah, competition. Yeah, I mean, now I'm just, like... Well, I'm still stuck with my theory where it's, like, the more I see of this dystopian city, the more I'm like, okay, these are, we have to accommodate the new rules. Like, for example, now we're going to segue into Valley Fest, right? Which mm-hmm. is like kind of a country fair meets, uh, like it's super patriotic. Like It's a 4th of July thing um, that's also kind of a county fair thing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And like karate is like intimately a part of this. Well, I mean, Daniel managed to get like some 
time because of course he wants more students for Miyagi Do. The YouTube commercial just like leads to a couple of kids coming to his house. I and, love that scene. Yeah, it's good because they're 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 like excited to learn karate, and he's like, "Great, now go paint that fence." The thing is, if you saw that ad and someone was like, "Hey, I'm not even charging any money," I think you're a pedophile, right? Okay, come to my come to my backyard backyard dojo mm-hmm. to train, right? And so I think that the kids are honestly like they come and they're like, "Oh, you just wanted free yard work." It's like that is the most I mean, generous that's, interpretation. Yeah, that's the most innocent thing that could come out of. This. Right, so they they, flee. they they flee. So Daniel realizes he's got to like make this thing look cooler than than he has been, and so he decides he's going to put on a demo for Valley Fest. Um, and you've got him and Sam and Robbie like doing some moves. You can already feel like there's like a little restlessness in the audience. Like, are they going to fight anybody? Um, and and then like Daniel's got a big finale planned where he's going to break blocks of ice. But then what happens? Well, Cobra Kai intervenes. And thankfully, I I love this one because obviously I didn't like that it's so clear to me that Daniel's uh, big ice finish, if you can call it that, it was about him. Like, his ego, him proving something, like him getting back in the game and like being a hot shot. Whereas when Cobra Kai does their kind of like much more impressive demo with Kreese like ramping up the pyro, there's fireworks, yeah. there's 80s music. Yeah, it's it's better on like every metric. Um, and but what I love most about that is when there is a finale and it is um, Johnny like cutting cutting a bunch of cement that's on fire, which is badass. Um, Miguel says you did it, and then. Johnny says, we did it. And it's actually true, because every kid in, like, kind of gets their moment in that, like, demo, where you see Aisha breaking a bunch of shit blindfolded, and Miguel, like, doing moves, and... It's about the entire dojo coming together to, like, basically pee all over Miyagi-Do, which I'm here for, because guess what? Miyagi-Do's demo was essentially, like, I hate that Daniel had his only two students basically like charlie's angel like they're like in the the intro scenes to a bond movie or something yeah they're, they're... Like silhouetted and it's all just to like foreground daniel's final finish and it's so narcissistic i can't take it <laughs> i think i hate to be in this position of defending daniel uh why do you put me in this position God, you just have like sam on one end like doing the yeah Angel's gun thing no i mean like... it's not great because there's like a lot of synchronized moves with daniel in the middle and like if I were Daniel, I would say that this is what karate is really about more than breaking bricks with your forehead. But, but you're right. I mean, it's not he as entertaining a demo. Had, like Sam and Robbie just like carry him out on like that <laughs> platform. That is unfit. But yeah, they're kind of like his backup dancers, which fine. Yeah, and he's just like sitting there in the shadows, glowering when Johnny does his like better demo. It's... I'd like to point out one thing that I think is important that I, I just don't want us to miss. Hawk does a thing where, like, he has Dimitri hold up a board and he kicks it in half. But when he does his kick, you hear a hawk cry. And I feel like this might be the first time the show does that, have Hawk do something and have the hawk cry go out. But you'll see it again throughout the season. Wow, I did miss that. How did you miss that? It's actually kind of amazing every time it happens. Even as Hawk grows thoroughly more unlikable. Oh, he's full incel. I heard that. Yeah, totally. Like, I... Yeah. He's furious, by the way, that uh, when Dimitri, like, wipes his face with that Cobra Kai branded towel and the girls are, like, flirting with him, he's all like, yeah, 
when are you going to join Cobra Kai, man? What are you doing? And, yeah. So you can tell, like, their friendship's fraying a little bit. Dimitri is also kind of like a bit of an asshat, being like, whatever, I'm just getting the spillover benefits by using this towel. Wait, I, I wrote down Dimitri quote, he wants to enjoy the game without the pain. <laughs> <sighs> Which is a good, smart way to, to be... I like that they're both incels, just on different uh, ends of the spectrum of, of incelness. Yeah. Know? Um... Yeah, but anyways, watch out for that hawk sound effect, because it comes back, and it's glorious every time it does. Yes, um, and now, because we have to, uh, we need to address the fact that Robbie is now living at... Oh, yeah. At Casa LaRusso. Mm -hmm. He has finally achieved what he set out to do. He is... I've always said, like, from day one, the man just wanted a home. Now he is the lost LaRusso son, which is creepy because he's totally flirting with uh, the actual LaRusso daughter. Um, yeah, he's moved from no water to a jacuzzi. Mm-hmm. And they're having, like, little moments where they smile at each other, and it's like... It's creepy. It's I a mean, little creepy, and I'm honestly like, Daniel... It's considering that you keep setting these guys up in, like, training exercises together, and now he lives with you. Like, you know he's he and your daughter are going to be banging soon, right? The thing is, Daniel like, yeah. is, like, single-mindedly focused. Like, he just notices nothing. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I'm so not cool. saying that he should be clutching his pearls about it, but it's like, y you know they're going to be getting it on. Right. right. Yeah. Like, come on. Probably in your jacuzzi. Probably yeah. in your koi pond. Right. You kind of set them up just <laughs> like that. Anyways, um, that is happening. Uh... Robbie one step closer to a dream. Uh, yeah, and although it's it's like also hard to read where Sam is because like is she devastated over the Miguel breakup anymore? He's still pretty pretty upset yeah, about it. I think. I think he's probably more upset about it than she is. But then again, I will say it's hard to see that Sam cares about anything deeply. Like she's always kind of like. I'm along for the ride. She's <laughs> definitely along for the ride of life. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, in a weird way, and I didn't like Sam in the first season, but at least at the first season, she seemed to like have more of like an arc of her own. Um, you know what I mean? Like she had those like mean girlfriends and she was working shit out there, which again, wasn't great, but like, Okay, but here she's just kind of like, oh, my dad's starting a dojo? Cool, I'll join it. Oh, the only other student is this guy? Cool, I like him. Here's the thing. It's actually perfect, because Sam, Sam's defining quality is taking the path of least resistance. What is her after-school activity? The thing that happens to be in her backyard, her dad's dojo. Who's going to be possibly her new love interest? Hey, the guy, the homeless guy, or sorry, the, <laughs> the, the man from the... The boy with a troubled home that's just been moved That in. happens to live with her. Yeah, exactly. She really does not have to commute far for she anything. She doesn't have to do or try anything out of her comfort zone. It's 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 beautiful. I mean, keep being you, Sam. <laughs> you do you, Sam. <laughs> um, okay. Now, this was a pretty short episode, actually. Yeah, it, it really moved. Did we cover everything? I think so. It was actually, guys, it was only 23 minutes long. So if this podcast is not too much longer than 23 minutes, don't blame us. Blame the episode. It was brisk. It was It was extremely it was quick. brisk. Now, uh, maybe I just don't have, maybe all of my thoughts, like, I don't know. Who, I guess, is the most compelling character to you? Just one character, not a relationship. Ugh. I mean, it's got to be Johnny. I would often say Miguel, but, like, Miguel, you're right, is not really given as much screen time this season. Yeah. You? Okay. You know I'm going to say Crease. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many layers there. 
I mean, he seems like a simple man with a simple duffel bag, but that duffel bag has secrets. Grace is such a weirdo. It's just... I mean, so, okay, let's talk about this. This is how we're going to fill up 30 minutes, okay? (laughs) How are we accounting for Grace's time, okay? So, the dojo is open, what, eight hours standard business? I would imagine it's only open, like, in the after-school hours, but yeah. Well, it's it's summertime, right? Sure, eight hours standard business. Is it still summertime? I think it is. It's, they had a July 4th uh, celebration. That's true. Okay. And that explained Sorry. by, like, Samantha and Robbie are hanging out in the backyard all day. So, got it, yeah, got it, it's got summer. It. Okay. Okay. So, summertime, maybe 10 to 6. Sure. Sure. Where is he going after that? We find out in the ep- next episode where he's going after that, so we can't spoil it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's God. right. You can't even speculate about the man's life. Um, because we I do find out, and it's a pretty good revelation. Are as invested in Crease's arc as I am. Crease <laughs> is a delight, just a goddamn delight. <laughs> <laughs> he can be a delight. He is often just like, like, like a the look of pure joy on his face as he's ramping up the pyrotechnics, or when he's watching these poor innocent teens climb into a cement mixer. It's true. He's got. It's... He gives good face to everything, yeah. definitely, and he's. Again, he's very much the Phantom of the Dojo, where he lurks around corners with, like, a weird smirk on his face. Um, it is kind of delightful. Fine. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous, but, you know, that's... He's not a subtle character. How about that? Yeah, you know, no one but Crease inspires me to make Twitter polls. Um, I just have so many questions about his life. Um, I was looking at our Podbean statistics, as I do once and again... And I'm happy to say we have one download from Panama. Oh. Was it Crease? You know, we know Crease has been quite active in Panama. Listener from Panama, please write in. <laughs> we need to know. What is your connection with John Crease? Because <laughs> there must be one. Um, so okay, we, let's, shall we close it out? How would you rate? rate this episode? I really like this episode. I think it moved. Um, I think... It deserves 4.5 out of 5. Um, shit. What am I doing? Ice blocks? No, no, too basic. Burning cement? Oh, I got it. 4.5 out of 5 Q2 marketing budgets. That's terrible, but okay. Is it? Because it sounds like 20, no, do the math. $20,000. $20,000. It sounds like of... a lot of money to me. All right. Okay. Fine. Um, I also really liked this episode. Um, you know, you had some cool karate demonstrations, mostly from the Kais. Uh, you had... Entirely from the Kais. Entirely from the Kais. You had some excellent Johnny and technology moments, and you had a really great scene between Johnny and Miguel at that burger place. So I'm going to give it four out of five Hamburgers of sadness. Wow. Yeah. Profound. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're only half kidding about our <laughs> our Panamanian listener. Or any of you guys. Or anybody. Um, please write in. You can follow us at Kai underscore cast on Twitter or write to us at CobraKaiNeverDiesCast at gmail.com. Love that you want to play us out. Oh, as always, kids. Strike first. Strike hard. No mercy. I kind of mumbled that. (laughs) Let's do it again. Okay. Strike first. Strike hard. No No mercy. mercy.